This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. The Gold Coast crowned the new champion of supercars. Who is the defending champion, Shane Van Gisbergen? And his performances wrapped up the team's championship for Triple Eight once again. Team's been awesome, obviously having no real rule changes has helped we've got a good car that we could continue on with and although he had a heavy hit into the wall it hasn't dampened his news that's james golding being signed to premier racing for 2023 being picked up by gary uh, from a young age and not having a manager or anything like that i had to really sort of pick my game up on that front and i did come close to a couple of drives in different teams the last couple of years but kind of just got pipped at the last moment which is disappointing but it did make me stronger and hungrier it's all coming up as we look at the gold coast today on inside supercars and the show starts now Welcome to Inside Supercars. It's post Gold Coast 500. Craig, it was uh, it was great to be back on the streets of um, the Gold Coast and Surface Paradise, but um, the racing didn't quite live up to uh, the hope, expectations, and the belief that it was going to be uh, uh, some great racing. It was not quite up to uh, what we want. Nothing that Shane did wrong. He did everything very right. But the series desperately needs some new winners, don't they? It does, but it was good to see David Reynolds grab that shootout pole. That was a great response from him. And, uh, of course, the man we have on the show today, James Golding, he ended his weekend with a a nasty incident which caused a, a massive melee. And what about the drivers? Great job to them to have the foresight to jump over, get the, or not jump over, but to take the fire equipment and get uh, Macca's car out, Macaulay Jones's car out before there was, you know, catastrophic damage done there. And I, I know people like to jump up and go, oh, why didn't the officials do anything? But they can't enter the track until it's deemed clear. And so that's great presence of mind from the officials and the drivers to realise that the drivers who are on the track are the ones that can be the first responders in an incident like that. And I, I think that's good work by both officials and drivers in this instance. Just very briefly on the racing, yes, Dave Reynolds uh, ended up with a podium on the Saturday. Um, Chaz obviously demonstrated yet again great speed. Um, some unfortunate incidents, you know, a, a tyre pressure for Crowley sees him uh, disqualified in race 32. Um, 
the Saturday, no safety cars on the Saturday, and then it's that massive shunt, a multi-car shunt on the Sunday. Um, Shane certainly has done nothing at all wrong, but uh, clearly giving the team and and Triple Eight and uh, the Holden brand a great exit for the year. This year was obviously a massive change with um, you know Jamie retiring, taking over the team with Jess, and or also Artie taking that big backwards step. It's been um, yeah, it's been huge changes, and then of course Couchy leaving as well, and a new engineer and Andrew, and um, yeah, the team's been awesome. Obviously having no real rule changes has helped. We've got a good car that we could continue on with but um yeah it's just been great this year not many mistakes um a couple from myself which which hurt but um yes yeah, been been amazing this year and yeah we've still got a fair way to go but um yeah it's been awesome uh, interestingly he's won now 21 of the 32 races with a 66 percent win ratio compared to scotty mclaughlin with the he'd won 18 of 25 races for a 72 percent winning ratio um, it's that fascinating thing. And now, obviously, there was some uh, byplay between the two drivers because Scotty McLaughlin turned up on uh, Friday, I think it was. He first uh, came back from America, his first trip back in over two years, and he was certainly showing himself around. And uh, Shane did a bit of a tribute to him. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was uh, great to see. These guys get along, even though they had their moments of... Uh, you know, mental games in the uh, when they had the race suit on. But an interesting part of the stats that you have, so depending on how you slice it, whether you go number of wins or percentage of possible wins, uh, almost Duckworth-Lewis there, Scott McLaughlin is currently on 72%. That cannot change. But if Shane Van Gisbergen wins both races at Adelaide, that will take him to 23 from 34 and it leaves him with a maximum he can still achieve is 68%. So Scotty will always be able to go back to him and say, well, 72% to 68%. Duckworth Lewis or DLS means that he would get the win in the match. Indeed he would. Um, in terms of uh, the event itself, it seemed to me the worst in the 29 years I've been uh, at Gold Coast or thereabouts. Um, it was almost the worst to get around. Um, it was very limited. They seem they've lit, cut down the number of gate entries to the track by one or two. Um, so it was very difficult to get around. Supposedly there were 200,000 people. I find it hard to believe there were that many. It didn't seem that, that large a crowd, but I wasn't looking to see that you'd have to comment on that because you would have seen the grandstand. I thought it looked okay, and I've got no idea on numbers, but I thought that was great. Now, on the show today, we speak to James Golding, but also what's interesting is Cameron Hill, who drove with Premier along with Chris Pither, is looking set to take the Todd Hazewell seat at Matt Stone Racing. So uh, he is in fantastic form in his racing career. He runs a team of Formula Fords and also Porsches. And Tom Sargent is, of course, announced as as uh, Andy McElroy's first driver in the United States. And Tom had worked his way up through those junior categories with Cameron Hill Racing. So not only has he been a Formula Ford winner and a Porsche 
Carrera Cup winner, he has uh, also been the team owner of a number of different winning winning operations. So uh, that is going to be great to see. One of the treats we've got is the fact that James Golding has just been confirmed as he uh, gets his ride again with Premier in 2023. Congratulations, James, on getting a your return gig for a race team that you've been with now for uh, five or six race meetings. Thank you. Yep, it's very exciting. Um, finally got something locked away for the longer term after being out of supercars full-time for two and a half years. So a lot of hard work and dedications going into the return and just, yeah, super excited to get into it with a team that I've really enjoyed working with. And, and of course, one of the great things is for you that it's a, a, a level playing field, brand new cars next year, and not dissimilar to some of the things that you have driven in recent times, that being Trans Ams. Um, you must be very excited about what's coming with Gen 3. Yeah, that's right. It's um, it's exciting to be going into a new car and something that no one's really used to driving or no one's got the setup down pat or anything like that. It's going to be very close to equal opportunity for all teams to, you know, do a good job and achieve results from it. So it's it's really – I knew it was going to be what I really need time my return with and to get it locked away and be in there with the Gen 3 coming out, I think it's going to be a fantastic opportunity and something I can't wait to get my hands on and see how we can um, do a better job and get results before everyone else does. I took the time to go and, as I used to do when I published Race Facts, go and visited your team, Premier um, in Arundel, and was delighted to see it's a terrific facility. And I understand that um, there are expansions coming up for next year as well. Um, it's a great deal of energy around the team. And I um, am not surprised to see a lot of people talking up the chances, not only for you, but for Tim Slade, who's been in the second car next year. Um, that there's very exciting times around the team. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're only a new team that was formed in January and obviously I only joined halfway through the season. So it's still very early days and I think to achieve what we have already and showing the progression we have is pretty impressive and, and does does show me a lot, of, uh, a lot of potential moving forward in the coming years and that's something I'm really excited about. But we're, we are still only new to it and we're just trying to make baby steps in the right direction at the moment and yeah, getting into the new workshop for the boys halfway through the season was a great step forward, somewhere they're a lot more comfortable and um, you know got the right things around to do a good job. There is still a lot of things we need to work on, but um, yeah, we are getting there slowly. Now, there's an old adage, of course, you'd know well, having been racing for some nine years or so in, in racing cars at Formula Ford and touring cars, but that is you're only as good as your last start. And unfortunately, was your last was in fact a DNF and your first for the year. Yeah, that's right. It was um, yeah, not what we wanted at Gold Coast in the final race there, but overall as the weekend went on, we, we did make a lot of ground and did achieve some big ticket things we wanted to, like getting into the top 10 shootout and that sort of thing. So it's um, still lots of positives um, taken away and you know, it makes it really exciting heading into the final round at Adelaide, um, the progression we've got just to carry that on and go to another track that I've had some successful races at. It'll be awesome. You were on for a much better than a 10th place, place start uh, on the Gold Coast on the Sunday. 
uh, unfortunately, he clipped the wall. You were on for a 10-6, I believe, um, and uh, a bit of a scrape along the wall just took that uh, moment off and dropped you possibly a top four. Yeah, we um, we had an awesome start to the lap and well, first half of the lap, really, um, until we got to the last at the apex wall and got a bit of vibration, so I couldn't quite stay up at 100%. But um, on the Delta, I was on for the same time we did in qualifying, which is the 10.6. But we did dial the setup in a lot more for the shootout run, trying to do it on lap one um, versus qualifying where we did do it on lap three. So the end of the lap would have been looking really good on, on new tyres. And, yeah, it would have been exciting to see where it ended up. But, but um, you know, nonetheless, we still ended up getting a one position in the shootout for my first ever shootout. So that was cool. And, James, it was... Fascinating to see how you were with Gary Rogers. You then went and did a the open wheel program and got into the S five thousands and have now been able to work your way back to supercars. What did you learn in that intervening period about a yourself and b motor racing in Australia? Um, I learnt how difficult it is to to get everything right and and coming through GRM. Um, up through the stable and kind of getting picked up from a young age obviously taught me a lot of things that you do need in motorsport but also the commercial side of things I had to really work hard on you know being a little bit more out there and talking to teams more which I wasn't really used to doing being picked up by Gary uh, from a young age and not having a manager or anything like that I had to really sort of pick my game up on that front and I did come close to a couple of drives in different teams the last couple of years but kind of just got pipped at the last moment which is disappointing but it did make me stronger and hungrier every time that happened and I think it all kind of you know they say things happen for a reason I really think it did happen for a reason it, it has led me to this point um, and you know getting picked up by Peter and given the opportunity by Matt and him to jump in one of their cars and show what I can do and still do, um, even though I've been out of the championship for some time, is, is um, yeah, really exciting and grateful for the opportunity they've given me. So it um, it did teach me a lot, and I think now I've, I've really become refocused and, and hungry than ever. Um, I guess you could say similar to when I first got in the sport, but I've obviously got a lot more experience under my belt now compared to a, a rookie driver coming in. I've got the hunger there. I'm not. I'm not complacent at all. With you know, if things aren't going the right way, my head's staying up the whole time. Um, where there's some other drivers, you know, been in there for a bit longer, can drop the motivation a bit. Um, but I think I'm. I'm really coming to the strongest point in my career with all those sort of aspects. As you well know, having been in this game for a couple of years now, one of the relationship that's important is you and your engineer. Now, Jeff Slade is somebody I've known quite a while, um, and I would assume that you've enjoyed um, meeting up with him and, and having him in your corner. Oh, certainly. Je- working with Jeff's been fantastic. Um, he's got a lot of experience in supercars and, and other categories as well. So, yeah, having him by my side's made it a lot more comfortable for me and, and knowing that I've got his experience to lean on, but also... We do get along quite well, which does make it a lot easier at the end of the day. And as it's as it's showing the results, we're improving every time we hit the track. One of the other things is that not only do you have to get results, but you have to enjoy yourself doing it and enjoy your time together. Um, you've got a terrific bunch. I mean, Peter Zaberis is somebody 
who uh, has a lot of energy, um, has uh, obviously only knew the category as a team principal, team owner, but um, Matt Cook, um, Greg, the number one mechanic on your car, you've got a lot of guys who've got a lot of experience there, um, which must make you feel that much better when you're walking out to get in the car when it's sitting on the grid. Oh, definitely. Um, I've got all the um, confidence in the team I've got around me. You know, I honestly, after Townsville, um, the second round in, I was comfortable as I was a GRM after I was there for five or six years. So that's a massive um, tick of the box because, you know, you need to be able to get in the car and not have to worry about anything else, not be, you know, unsure of the job someone else in the team's doing or worried about, you know, have they thought about this or those sort of things. You know, you need to have the confidence that all right, everything's spot on. I can now just do my job to 100%, and that's what it is here. So we are still building um, as a team overall. We've got a lot of key parts ticked off, but as a well-oiled machine, um, there is still improvements to be made, and that's what we're going to be working on over the coming months. Having had the taste at GRM, then the the break, you knew and understood the fitness requirements of supercars. How have you managed to get yourself into that race fit, that far more regular, longer racing that you have to do and be prepared for? Yeah, it's um, obviously something that's talked about a lot in supercars and, and really is a difficult one to train for. It, it, it is a lot of race fitness that you do get just driving the supercar in the races. You can do a lot of things to help, but replicating that actual race fitness is difficult. I'm lucky that I could keep racing in the S5000 with GRM and, and those cars are very violent to drive, um, you know, no power steering. And also, you know, that they are very physical to, to drive the car on the limit. You need to get the maximum steering load you can generate with the tyre to, to get the lap time out of it, all those sorts of things. Um, also tied in with my go-kart racing for Parallel Australian Australian Championships helped um, as, as well as keeping up with all my other training running. I did a half marathon last year, the first time I've ever done a half marathon, um, and just all the other things, cycling. Just trying to mix it up, really, because you can never really get too fit at one sport because when you're doing the race car stuff, it's, you know, it's a bit of everything. You need to – I try and train – to surprise my body i'm not doing anything consistently um because you got to be ready for anything and also the one thing i did pick up on a little bit more once i did here i was getting back in was the temperature stuff so getting the sauna as much as i can um week to week and just trying to mix it up and put put myself in conditions where i am uncomfortable because there's certainly times in supercars where you're in uncomfortable situation if you can deal with that better than the guys around you you're going to do a better job and beat them on the day. Well, certainly on Sunday afternoon, you're in an uncomfortable situation, but the good news is uh, you've fully cleared uh, and fully fit heading into Adelaide now. Yeah, that's right. We um, got a CT scan on my left wrist. We were a little bit worried about that, um, but lucky it's all intact, no fractures or breaks anywhere. It's just a pretty bad sprain, so that's been coming good over the last couple of days. And, yeah, I'm going to be driving the S5000 at Bathurst next week so that'll be a good test for it and yeah that, I mean, those cars to be honest racing them whilst I haven't been in supercars has really set me up well um, for my return. They are really got a lot of characteristics of a supercar but I think a lot more 
refined. The margin for error is a lot smaller. Um, so I think those are driving them. And, I mean, if you look back at 2019, the first race I did in the S5000, my first couple of races was right before Bathurst, and we did have a very strong, strong showing there in Bathurst for last race with GRM in 2019. So, I mean, I've got to really put credit to those cars for keeping me absolutely race sharp and, and on the money when I got back in the supercar. As a young driver, you probably do a lot of simulation and, and do the eSports. But when you saw Ross Chaston in the NASCAR just flat out around the wall, what did you think of that move? Um, I thought it was pretty smart, but I was actually surprised that no one's no one's tried it um, over the last few years. I, I did think I've seen something, but maybe it was... Um, I reckon I've maybe even seen it on a simulator game where someone did it towards the end of a race to win, and I don't know whether he got the idea from that or come up with it himself, but I think it's awesome, and I'm just interested to see whether NASCAR comes up with a rule now that you can't do it because, yeah, I suppose the thing is now everyone's seen it and done it. It's probably definitely not going to be the last time someone tries it. It's just if there's more people doing it, well, obviously it's not as effective then. Oh, that's right. Um, I have seen something similar to that once before in New Zealand at Western Springs, when Western Springs used to be in a velodrome and a guy by the name of Sleepy Trip, he went so high that the, the dirt wouldn't be right up at the top, got onto the concrete of the velodrome part of the racetrack and went around three people to win the World Speedcar Derby. My memory of that, though, was he was uh, put back to third uh, about three hours after the race finished by the officials because uh, they said it wasn't a legal move. But uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly one that's put the, uh, put the highlight back into speedway racing. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people watching it would, uh, would remember doing it on the, on the PlayStation or Xbox back in the day. Um, so it's a pretty cool thing to see in real life. But, yeah, obviously not recommended as a safety point of view. <laughs> James, very much. Congratulations on earning the drive, and uh, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people will be uh, very pleased to see you uh, back in the gig full-time for next year, and uh, enjoy Bathurst next weekend. I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to make it to that one, but I look forward to catching up with you in Adelaide, and uh, all the very best. Enjoy it all, and uh, this is uh, probably the best Christmas present that you could ever wish for. Oh, definitely is, yeah. Um, yeah, really grateful, and thanks, guys, for having me on here. It's exciting time in my career, and I just can't wait to get into it and, yeah, just start working hard on, on getting results because I think this is definitely the biggest um, and best opportunity I've had to prove um, what I can do in supercars, so can't wait. Yeah, with you, James Golding, congratulations, and we look forward to the Adelaide 500 with you on the grid. Thank you very much for joining us on Inside Supercars. What a uh, much more mature and professional performer he is than we saw when he was last in the Supercar Series permanently. And it does go and show that the experience of being out, Tony, is a, a very, well, a building one for him as a man and, and it's going to carry him well in his next part of his journey. Indeed it does. And, of course, as you well know, there have been a good number of drivers over the years who haven't had a second chance to prove themselves. He, he's done a great job. And it's, you know, difficult circumstances because on every uh, 
moment you're being scrutinised by a large number of people as to whether he's warrants being there, and he has certainly demonstrated that skill once and for all that he uh, has earned his stripes to be a V8 supercar driver. The event itself, it certainly was well worth the effort for uh, going there. It makes me look forward uh, even more so to Adelaide. And then in 2023, the debut of Gen 3 on the streets of Newcastle, it should be an absolute cracker and something to uh, look forward to with great anticipation. Now, Tony, before we go, last weekend at the Gold Coast, there was one comment that caught my attention in the broadcast. Uh, this is professional car racing, folks. This is not Parramatta Speedway. Interesting comments by Mark Scaife at the Gold Coast. and Well, he referenced that that supercars is professional motorsport, not Parramatta Speedway. Well, the promoter of Parramatta Speedway for many years is Dave Lander. And Dave, it's yeah, just another shot across the bow at Speedway not being professional by the road racing set. Uh, when you say the road racing set, just say scafe. You know, the, the rest of his commentators appreciated going to Parramatta on a Friday night. Uh, whenever they raced at Eastern Creek or, or uh, uh, Homebush, they couldn't get to the speedway quick enough uh, once their race was over. But that's typical of Scafe. He's, he's got his head up his ass as far as uh, supercars go. Um, I mean, if supercars were totally, totally professional, uh, the way the bloke jumped on the car was beautiful. No one, any division would have done that. Um, but then why doesn't Channel 7 show uh, they're racing every show. They just pick three or four per year. Um, I don't. I can't say much more, mate. It's, it's just uh, the way it is uh, with one bloke, not the rest of them. The professionalism of Speedway is a interesting question. And in your time, you've promoted uh, Speedway right up until last year. But for what thirty years, you were the promoter yeah. of Parramatta and Lismore. Oh, yeah, yeah, 32. I started uh, promoting Parramatta in 88, um, and I finished six months ago after the flood at, at Lismore. But I, I owned Parramatta for 12 years, uh, Newcastle for five, Lismore for the last 15. Um, yeah, there was, what else can I say? It was uh, met a lot of people, uh, a lot of competitors and a lot of, families. The professionalism that was shown by yourself, competitors and the like was never second class? No, not really. They, uh, we had uh, some of the best sprint car teams in Australia. Of course, we also had fender bender racing or street stock racing, which uh, those blokes weren't professional because they really basically weren't getting paid. But uh, that, that was called entertainment, and, and road racing has the same thing. Uh, Scaife probably forgets uh, the jumpy trucks they had um, a few years ago or the uh, doing burnouts. Like, you know, he calls burnouts entertainment well, or, or professionalism, is that the word? Um, it's called entertainment. It's called keeping your customers happy uh, and not boring them to death with follow-the-leader racing. You might have been 32 years promoting, but before that you were a fan of Speedway. 
right from a kid going out and watching Speedway. And at that time, Speedway was the only professional motorsport in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm probably the oldest petrol head around. Um, I, I used to go to uh, – Oran Park used to uh, uh, run a twilight meetings on Saturday afternoons and uh, I'd go out there and as soon as that was over, I'd head for the Sydney Showground. Um but I did start at the Sydney Showground when I was about 12. My dad took me there. At that time, mm-hmm. a goodly portion of uh, the people out there were making a serious amount of money. Oh, yeah, 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 serious. Uh, um, I, I know that uh, some of the top speed car drivers or their teams were getting £200 to turn up. Uh, a guarantee. Um, now, two hundred pound in the early sixties, that was probably uh, nearly four times a weekly wage. David, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And well, I know that uh, you've still got a keen interest in all sorts of motorsport, even the even the ones that might have had turns in both directions. Yep, you're right. I love it. Yeah, well, it's, it's just part of my DNA has been uh, watching motorsport. Thanks to Dave Lander there. And, of course, full disclosure, I have come from a long line of Speedway races and race Speedway myself, so perhaps I'm overly sensitive on the matter, Tony. Well, I, I don't think there can be any question there was anything that, you know, should be maligned about Speedway because through all the way in which of the dozens of tracks around Australia. Speedway shows itself to be a, a great importing every year, regular competitors from America who come down under here and race. And it's, it's some of the biggest names in America, NASCAR, um, have come here and raced Speedway. And uh, it's a fantastic thing. And certainly the sport itself is one that puts on great events who actually have maligned Speedway in the way they have, i.e. M. Scape. I think he should pull his head in and realise that there's nothing unprofessional about the way Speedway puts itself on as a great event in Australian motorsport. Anyway, that's it for Inside Supercars. Thank you for joining us again this week and we look forward to previewing the Adelaide 500 in coming weeks as we look into the world of Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more on or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.